you've tuned into the Creepy Conspiracy Podcast, the show all about the scariest topic of all time, which is, of course, the government. I'm Conspiracy Charlie, and I'm here with uh, a very conspiratorial guest who's involved with uh, many secret operations. Our, Our guest... Uh, well, uh, since this is the Creepy Conspiracy Podcast, I'm going to have to request that uh, my name be bleeped out. Uh, but uh, just for the record, since you have something to bleep out, it is. Um, and uh, it's good to be here with everybody today. It's uh, it's just a wonderful month of the year to be discussing uh, these sorts of things. Uh, amazing, amazing. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad that you're you're actually able to be here, and I was hoping that you could share some government secrets with us today. Um, so if we could hear, you know, about the aliens, you know, who's really controlling the financial markets, and uh, just just some notes on. Uh... Okay, so I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this quick. Aliens don't <laughs> want to bother with us because we're terrifyingly violent. Uh, the only people running the economy are a bunch of idiot boobs, and I don't know, when it comes to, I don't care anymore. (laughs) Oh, so you mean that, uh, it's possible that a lot of the problems that humanity faces is mostly due to our own, uh, incompetence? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, well, that's, that's, that's the revelation for everybody today. If that wasn't very satisfying, then luckily... This isn't the uh, creepy conspiracy podcast, although we are going to be talking about some creepy conspiracies, I guess. And uh, we are going to be joined by a great guest, which is Devin Kay, as uh, as you've probably gotten used to his voice over these past uh, three episodes. This is episode number four on our series on John F. Kennedy and uh, the photos that have documented his life uh, and his death as well. Finally, everybody, we're going to get into the conspiracies uh, surrounding John F. Kennedy's death. Uh, maybe this is the episode that you've been waiting for. If you're, uh, if you're into conspiracies, you know, uh, then this is going to be the episode for you. Uh, this is probably one of the biggest conspiracies that exists uh, as it relates to the U.S. government. I would say that uh, maybe the other big ones would be like 9-11 and, uh, and MKUltra. There's a crap load of sources that we could have used for this thing, but um, I just have a, a few here. Actually, you go first, man. Do you want to talk about your first source for today's episode on uh, conspiracies? Um, I was, I used a lot of sources yesterday, but, um, I was on JFK library. They had a lot of different videos, uh, and recordings too. Uh, I was listening to, um, recordings of phone calls between, uh, Kennedy and Johnson, uh, Johnson and Robert Kennedy, um, all sorts of different things. Um, I, uh, also, I was using different sources like, um, um, archives.gov once again um, um, memos between LBJ and uh, Kennedy and stuff like that um, 
things of that nature uh, as much primary source as i could get because i mean honestly when it comes to a conspiracy theory this broad this big there's so much like white noise you know there's just so much of people having opinions and then saying them and being like oh this is the definitive answer that's right yeah yeah there's quite a few things that i looked into and you know kind of was like okay let's investigate this and ended up uh you know not really panning out on some of these avenues but you know some of them there's some pretty interesting and pretty substantial bullshit going on uh my sources for this episode um, i'm glad i'm glad that you dove into more of the primary sources here because i did tackle more of the uh secondary source material uh, two books uh the devil's chessboard by david talbot which i w- probably only scratched the surface of uh pretty amazing book you know how if i would have had more than a week <laughs> i probably would have finished it um but just breaks down uh you know alan dulles and kind of like the larger um you know dulles family and how they uh influenced the american government and uh you know uh, affairs uh both at home and abroad and really exercised a lot of uh you know power that they really shouldn't have had under the law, I guess. Uh, My other source is The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination uh, by Lamar Walden. Um, Pretty interesting source, uh, breaking down the connections of the mafia uh, to the John F. Kennedy assassination. There are two more sources that I want to mention. Um, I did not read these books, but I did read passages from them, and they did form a little bit of my thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were written by Evelyn Lincoln, who was John F. Kennedy's personal secretary. And she wrote two books, My 12 Years with John F. Kennedy and Kennedy and Johnson. Okay, sick. Yeah, some good to have some like personal stories and stuff like that, you know? And especially ones that are uh, from from a reputable source, because there's a lot of people who uh, want to talk on this subject, maybe just for attention or whatever. Right. But uh, there, there are some legit sources out there. And this is somebody who knew Kennedy well, who knew his family well, who. Um, who like there was a mutual caring between these people. Like after Kennedy died, uh, they gave almost all of his things to this woman. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, so definitely someone who's, uh, whose account we can take seriously, and it's it's nice to have that uh, going on, those types of sources. Uh, so I just want to, to get into this one here. I think probably the first thing to note, you know, conspiracies around the JFK assassination. Why do you think that they exist, right? Obviously, uh, Oswald being killed with no trial, um, but I think the second biggest reason would be the Warren Commission itself, like basically being insufficient uh, as, uh, you know, kind of replacement for a trial for Oswald, right? There was like a huge failure of due process in almost every part of this, because in most of these cases, there were no pre-established, you know, processes or, or plans for any of these things, you know, like... Uh, presidents assassinated in the middle of the Cold War. Uh, the state in particular wants him. Um, the state federally wants him also. Um, so there's a huge mishandling of, of evidence and of the chain of evidence and stuff like that right from the drop of the of the hat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which might possibly be a 
little bit of an insensitive phrase here, I guess. But anyways, um, I think that that's a huge, huge part of, of what drives it going on all this time later. But then also, um, I think like in talking, I've said this a couple times, but I'll say it here now. There's just so many people that you can see having the motive mm-hmm. to do it. So it's easy to speculate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And quite a, quite a few people, you know, who are believing in things other than the lone gunman narrative, right? People who are believing things other than the official uh, finding of the Warren report that Lee Harvey and, Oswald and acted alone. Not just nobody either. One of the surgeons from the hospital maintains to this day that he's like pretty certain that one of the wounds, the one through the neck specifically, was through the front. Yeah, there's quite a few people who are are frustrated by like what the Warren Commission actually put out, you know, and the the time frame as well, like on, only ten months to work on this thing, and you know, uh, ignoring a lot of that counter evidence to uh, to the lone gunman theory, just didn't sit well with a lot of people. I think I've never found the lone gunman theory that hard to believe. Um. The only thing that makes it a little bit hard to believe is um, they call it the magic bullet. Um, yeah. I heard the I heard Clint Hill describing it yesterday. The way that I understand the magic bullet is that uh, the way that it's proposed that this whole thing went down is that Kennedy got the shot that went through Kennedy's uh, neck was the same shot that went through Connolly. Right. So. I believe that, but the way I understand it, the way the commission described it, there had to be a, there was an additional bounce in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I do know that when it hit Connolly, it went in through his chest and then through his wrist also, and like hit him in um, the leg too. So there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of weirdness going on with that. It was yeah. a big bullet, like the 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 missile that was fired yeah. was very very large yeah. and very heavy. It's just hard to believe that it would do all that and not become like somehow embedded in the governor or something like that yeah well we'll definitely get into stuff like that in more detail but uh suffice it to say that you know a lot of people and you know not just like you said people on the internet or whatever but people within the government uh people who are very close involved on the day yeah people involved on the day who found that this warren commission was insufficient um yeah as i've looked into this whole thing i think that we're really doing you guys a, a favor here to sum up some of this stuff. <laughs> if you do try to look into your look into it uh, yourself, you will find that there is kind of an overload of information here. There's Bring def- a shovel. Yeah, it, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and it's just enough to kind of make your head spin. It can be uh, a bit of a frustrating experience. You know, some of this stuff is contradictory you know um and some of it is completely irrelevant yeah yeah so it's like you you look at stuff and it'll take you down this track of like oh well what about the guy who's carrying an umbrella right in the frame where he gets caught on a sunny day who cares he was carrying an umbrella proves nothing other than he was carrying an umbrella like there was so many things that I would get down this train track and then I'd be like, oh, oh, damn it. Okay, never mind. 
Yeah. So luckily, uh, Devin and I have gone gone through a lot of the documents here. Uh, we've done a bit of our own commission, to be honest. I would say that uh, and and the Poirier commission. No, no, no. That doesn't have any alliteration. That has no ring to it at all, buddy. It's the Kivioya commission. <laughs> that doesn't rhyme either. No, but it's alliterative at least. I guess so. Okay, yeah. we can go with that. Okay, it's 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 got a ring to it, man. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're gonna get uh, to the bottom of this thing once and for all. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that you have to consider the possibility that Oswald wasn't exactly the person who you know who's been sold. Like that that story of the character of Oswald. There are some weird things that came up while I was researching this a little deeper, some questions that came into my head. For instance, uh, why was he taught Russian when he was in the military? And why, mm, was he spon- why was he sponsored by the State Department to return from Russia? That's kind of weird. Because um, Russia didn't want him anymore and he had to yeah. go somewhere. Yeah, maybe. And a lot of these things, a lot of these things will have uh, a simple answer yeah. like that. Perhaps, perhaps, right? But I don't know. Some of these things are a bit fishy to me, a bit, uh, a bit subject, uh, yeah, just kind of suggesting certain things. And, you know, it, maybe we should consider the possibility that Oswald could have been some type of government agent or at least involved in some type of conspiracy, uh, with other people, right? That he wasn't the lone gunman. I think that's not unreasonable to think about. And even the House Committee uh, on Assassinations found uh, that it, Kennedy's death probably involved a conspiracy. Uh, so, you know, we're going to do our best to, like you said, keep to the facts, keep to things that are on the record, and uh, not just be speculating baselessly on different conspiracy theories. You know, we're actually going to base this around, uh, you know, treat it like a real case, like treat it like a real case in court. And we're going to look at means, motive and opportunity. And uh, and we're going to check out each and every one of these different uh, things and and decide, you know, after the research that we've done and and talking about it and uh, and going down this path, what we're kind of believing. So uh, I kind of want to start with Alan Dulles and the CIA, if you're OK with that. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, sweet. So I would say that, you know, if we're talking uh, motive, Alan Dulles has a lot of that. Um, Alan Dulles was fired over the Bay of Pigs invasion. We talked about that very early on in this series. Uh, If you look into the amount of, like, power that he had within the U S government, right? Like he was fired. So you'd think, Oh, maybe he's, you know, not so connected to things going on. Will he have, you know, that goes more into like the opportunity point, right? Will he really have the opportunity considering that he was fired from his position in the CIA? He's deeply, deeply embedded, deeply connected into American politics uh, and the world of business as well. Um, With John Foster Dulles, uh, they both worked at this uh, law firm, Sullivan and Cromwell, uh, which um, handled some like very high level uh, like corporate clients. Um, John Foster Dulles actually became the Secretary of State under Eisenhower. So uh, John Foster Dulles and uh, Alan Dulles 
basically controlled uh, a large portion of like U.S. Uh, foreign affairs and stuff like that for for a period. Um, and I mean, not just him being fired, but in a larger sense, after the Bay of Pigs, I think Kennedy wanted to reform the intelligence community a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was threatening to uh, to everybody involved. Certainly, um, certainly. Yeah. And the CIA, um, you know, they had removed foreign leaders in the past. If you just like search uh, CIA coups, you're going to get a bunch of them in this period, you know, kind of uh, uh, right before this and like the mid 50s. Um, there's coups in Iran and Guatemala uh, that, you know, cause a lot of violence and uh, have a lot of implications even today, right? Uh, and these are things that are mostly motivated, I think, by uh, like economic concerns, but uh, some people might disagree with that. And, you know, if no, you're going to say, yeah, and if you're going to say, oh, well, Jared, like that's, uh, you know, that's other countries. You're not talking about the United States. Uh, the CIA had ops within the United States. Uh, I mentioned MKUltra earlier, uh, which some people call a government mind control experiment. More accurately, having looked into it, it's mostly just torturing people with LSD. That's pretty much what they did. <laughs> you say torture, I say good time. Uh, d- yeah, on- no, I know it was pretty bad. Yeah, it's. I, I found it interesting when you mentioned um, MK Ultra and conspiracy yeah. theories, because I mean, I historical evidence places it firmly in the realm of fact, right? Like it's a thing that happened. Yeah, they tried to destroy the records, but because they had worked with like so many institutions, uh, colleges and universities and stuff like that, that it uh, there were there are documents that that backed up the the operations. So and yeah. this sort of thing becomes kind of like an Occam's razor when it comes to conspiracy theories. Yeah, when you talk about real conspiracy theories that involve hiding some kind of reality from the larger public, mm-hmm. if they involve more than a handful of people for more than a handful of days, typically they just can't succeed. People just aren't that good at keeping secrets. Yeah. Do you really think that? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll put a pin in that. Um, and just further evidence uh, that the CIA is capable of, you know, doing some pretty, uh, sketchy, manipulative operations within the United States, uh, Operation 40 and everything that they did involving uh, Cuban refugees in America, right? Um, and kind of organizing them and trying to, you know, stir up uh, certain political situations uh, within the United States. So all of that to say that, yeah, uh, the CIA would do ops within America. Uh, they'd never kill the president as far as I know, but <laughs> that's not, only as far as we know. Yeah. yeah, Not impossible. Uh, this is the, where I want to bring up the first uh, photo of the episode. It's a photo that uh, if you just search, uh, probably Kennedy and Dulles would bring this up a photo by uh photojournalist Frank Falassi. Uh, Hopefully I'm saying his name right. Uh, Devin, have you been able to bring up that photo? There's a few photos of them, but you're talking about the one where uh, Kennedy's kind of in the center left and Dulles is just slightly behind him on the right. And they're looking away from each other. 
Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's the photo that I'm talking about. Yeah. I guess there, I guess there are a few, but, uh, that's the, that's the one that I want to talk about where they're actually, uh, Kennedy's wearing a, uh, well, I don't know the color of the tie in the photo. It looks black (laughs) because it's a black and white photo. Some striking. He's got the, yeah. The single, um, the single button jacket and the other guy's got the double breasted suit. That's hitting you as well. Yep. Old school, old school then versus new, school, new yeah. school. Yep. You got the guy with the pipe. Uh, yeah. The double breasted jacket, the thinning hair, the glasses, the mustache. Right. And then you've got yeah. uh, the new hotness. John F. Kennedy with his windswept, <laughs> gorgeous hair, uh, clean shave, skinny, t- skinny tie even, Devin. Like it couldn't be more on the nose, right? Just like. Basically uh, just a 1960s Old Spice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like kind of a kind of a hipster vibe I'm getting as well. But. Sort of. Yeah. yeah that was but, kind of in then. Yeah, Kennedy probably collected records. Well, there wasn't like another option at the time, but <laughs> I, I I do think it's notable that they're looking away from each other, and neither of them look very happy. No, no, I would say Kennedy's teeth are showing, but that's not necessarily a smile. And Dulles, I don't know if I've seen a picture of him smiling. <laughs> yeah, just notable. I think that that this is really representing the the two kind of worldviews of these guys in one photo. But uh, anyways, I want to get into the devil's chessboard uh, by Talbot and um, some of his allegations here to talk a little bit more specifically about he, what he thinks went down during the Kennedy assassination. If that's cool with you. Yes, please. Sweet. Uh, so Talbot quotes uh, a writer here, Willie Morris, who uh, quotes Dulles and said, uh, Dulles said to him at one point that little Kennedy thought he was God, talking about uh, Kennedy years after uh, the assassination. So um, Talbot goes on to note here that Alan Dulles subverted pretty much every president that he ever worked for. Um, Roosevelt really wanted, uh, yeah, uh, a, a policy of unconditional surrender when it came to the Nazis. Uh, Alan Dulles, um, you know, worked against that, worked to subvert that, uh, basically thought that there was a lot that could be gained by uh, helping some of the Nazis, which is, uh, I don't know, bad. <laughs> uh, Eisenhower is quoted as saying that uh, Alan Dulles was responsible for destroying his um, his intentions, uh, hurting America's position, and leaving Eisenhower with nothing but a legacy of ashes. And uh, I have a, a quote from Truman here, just to, just to hit you with three presidents. Uh, Truman, who actually created the CIA, uh, he said... In December of 63, so this is like one month after Kennedy's death, here, um, there is something about the way the CIA has been functioning that is casting a shadow over our historic position, and I feel that we need to correct it. And again, uh, this is from Truman, the man who created the CIA, and he created it, you know, for intelligence purposes right like that's what a intelligence agency is supposed to do analyze and uh 
disseminate intelligence to the people that need to hear about it. And uh, their job really from the beginning wasn't to create policy, right? Uh, and Talbot notes here, um, to sum up essentially his actual stance on the Kennedy assassination, uh, he believes that Dulles organized the assassination with corporate interests who thought Kennedy was a threat to national security uh, and then lobbied LBJ to get on the Warren Commission and promote the lone gunman narrative. I, I'd say that's perfectly plausible. I feel like if that's the case, it probably wasn't just Alan Dulles alone. Like, I feel like if that's the case, I mean, I assume when they're talking about commercial interests, they're probably, yeah. probably talking about, uh, um, defense contractors. Uh, yeah, it could and, be defense contractors, could be, uh, oil men. It could really be anything, right? Like, um, because, you know, there's the, a lot of people who stood to gain from a larger war in Vietnam. So yeah. The Iranian coup was related to oil, right? Uh, but but the Guatemalan one was just related to fruit. Yeah. So it could really be, uh, yeah, a collection of a lot of different corporate interests and things that you might not necessarily expect. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, I have a, a quote from Kennedy as well to really drive home what Devin mentioned earlier, um, just that Kennedy was working against the CIA, uh, working to take power back into the hands of the president, essentially, uh, when it came to foreign policy. Kennedy said, I will shatter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter them to the wind. Oof. Right? So, you know, going into the whole, like, motive thing again for uh, Alan Dulles and kind of, uh, you know, those right-wing elements within the CIA. Well, let let me just ask you, what what's your take on this, right? Uh, your take on Alan Dulles and the CIA. Did they kill John F. Kennedy? I'd totally buy it. Um, I Actually, if it was anybody, it would have been them, probably. Uh, they stood to lose the most based on what you're saying. And that, that quote about breaking them into a thousand pieces and scattering them to the wind, I hadn't heard that before, but... That's that's as good a reason for the CIA to kill you as anybody. Yeah. Um but I mean I would put um I would put J. Edgar Hoover in that bed too. Okay. Yeah. So uh, maybe he would have to be afraid too at that point. Yeah, we'll have to get into uh your thoughts on old Hoover there, uh and whether or not he was vacuuming up the evidence. J. Edgar Hoover? <laughs> oh yeah he he did a lot of freaky stuff hey eh? that's that's he another a, he was a, yeah he was a he was a duck he was a real odd duck that's another podcast though but uh yeah means motive and opportunity uh alan dulles and the cia they had a lot of that stuff going on so next i want to get into you know the military industrial complex you talked about that earlier uh you could call this like a deep state conspiracy but i think that that has 
well, you know, this is the conspiracy podcast, so sure, we'll call it that. Um, <laughs> President Eisenhower uh, said in his farewell address in 61, uh, he warned of the military-industrial complex. A lot of people have heard that phrase, uh, but I don't think a lot of people have actually read this, uh, where he said, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought and unsought by the military-industrial complex. And now this part is very important too. The potential for uh, the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Yeah, and I think that this is... um kind of where um, the interests of of industry and commerce kind of conflict a little bit with um, kind of like morality at large and that like these defense companies, uh, you know, they've got to do everything they can to try and make more money. They're still companies. Um, and not only that, some of them are being paid really well for what they're doing. So there's a lot of impetus to make sure that that keeps going. Yeah, the current uh, the current state of world affairs benefits certain people, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And as John F. Kennedy, uh, you know, as we've talked about in these episodes uh, for hours, <laughs> John F. Kennedy wanted to change a lot of stuff in a lot of ways. It's weird to, to say about America. Um, because, you know, they, they kind of got set in their ways a while ago. Uh, but he was a pretty revolutionary president, honestly. Like when you look into what he was actually planning to do, uh, and there, there's specific stuff, right? Like, uh, you can go ahead and look up NSAM 263. Uh, this was Kennedy, uh, basically proposing to remove a bunch of troops from Vietnam. This happened in October, 1963, uh, essentially saying, okay, we're starting to wind down uh, our military commitments to Vietnam. A lot of people think that he was planning to end uh, American involvement in Vietnam, right? And letting that country uh, decide for themselves which type of government they were going to have. There's the test ban treaty with the Soviet Union. A lot of people, uh, you know, kind of right wing uh, anti-communist elements within the government weren't happy with that. They wanted war. Uh, They didn't want, uh, you know, agreements with the Soviet Union. Uh, The fact that Kennedy was unable to remove uh, Fidel Castro, right? The fact that he wasn't willing to invade Cuba, uh, this, this pissed a lot of people off, right? Yeah, they saw it as as kind of soft handing it and and not rather than seeing it as kind of like simmering down a conflict which could have gotten much broader, they just saw it as him being weak. Yeah, um, which for sure. which is probably the wrong way to see it here. Like uh world world scale possibly nuclear conflicts are very very bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want do you want to talk about uh, the 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 real photo of the episode, Devin? Is it time to get into uh, the big the big one here, the photo of the episode? Sure. Um, what was it called again? To bring it up, it is called the Mormon photo, not Mormon like the religion, uh, but and not Mormon like I need more men. <laughs> uh, How do you spell it? M O O R M A N. Yeah, so this photo was taken by Mary Ann Mormon. Uh, You can actually, interestingly enough, you can see her on the Zap Bruder film. Uh, This photo was shot on a Polaroid camera, so she didn't have to go and get it developed or anything like that. 
which is cool because that helps with like the chain of custody thing. Right. The fact that it was just developed within the camera. So that's pretty neat. Uh, It captured the moment right after the president was shot. Uh, Mormon herself believes in conspiracy theories. Uh, She's not buying the official government record here. Uh, And this photo is famous because it shows the area of the grassy knoll. Um, And this uh, you've probably even if you know very little about this Uh, case and kind of conspiracy theories you've probably heard of the grassy knoll at least in passing Uh, this was an area in front to the front right I believe of the president's uh, motorcade where a lot of eyewitnesses uh, said that they heard shots coming from that location Uh, so this is where I want to ask you uh, you know our resident guy who shoots guns sometimes would people be able to tell where gunshots are coming from uh if you were in a situation like this a gunshot even from a reasonable distance can be so loud that like it's very very hard to tell unless you saw where the shot came from yeah um where it's coming from and i mean you can see this in in military movies or tv shows like band of brothers for example which is yeah fairly factual um so, I mean, and more than that, uh, as soon as that first shot goes off, most people go straight to survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you're in survival mode, your memory is not, it's not really working in the way that it should be. Yeah. And uh, just the way that Dealey Plaza was constructed, right? There are so many buildings around that things could echo off of. It was kind of like an open space in the middle and then like a bunch of large buildings around uh, that like shots could echo off of, I think. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I can't, I'm not willing to discount the idea that somebody was in the grassy knoll or on the grassy knoll, but I don't think that just because somebody says they heard it makes it factual. There certainly were people on the grassy knoll because you can see them in the Mormon photo. I mean, another shooter. (laughs) I mean, another shooter. Yeah. Um, I would, I would note as well that probably, you know, a sample of people, you know, of a sample of people who might know more about the sound of gunshots, the population of Texas is, you know, probably a little bit more reliable than some. That's a fair point too. That's a fair point. Um, But again, um, you know, once somebody pulls out a gun and starts firing it in Texas, then everybody pulls out their guns. They start firing them in the air. How can you tell what's one and what's another and what's being fired at the president and what just isn't part of the party, you know? What's being fired at the president and what's just, like, normal Texas gun shooting, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but there's there's this whole thing, uh, you know, as I said there, the, the Mormon photo shows people standing on the... Uh, grassy knoll it actually shows three people uh so it's proposed uh that two of those people might be assassins who shot john f kennedy from the front and uh the third would be this guy gordon arnold who uh talks about uh you know his his eyewitness accounts of those guys existing and the sketchiness that was going on there so definitely factoring into the case and uh definitely a a crazy photo that captured uh, a moment in history and yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Has been looked at ever since. So 
let's get into one spoilers that I don't think is a very good theory. Uh, do you think that the Soviet Union killed John F. Kennedy? Who knows, right? What do you think about that? Do you have any any evidence, anything to discuss? I don't have any evidence for it, obviously, which is, I mean, you know, usually the first indication that uh, something isn't true. But <laughs> I don't have any evidence against it either, but I don't feel like it would have been in the Soviets' um, best interests necessarily. Yeah. Um, there's less of a straight-up military-industrial complex there at that time because, I mean, it's a government-directed economy. There's less of a profit motive because you only stand to make so much. More than that, the the American economy was just chugging along like normal, and the Soviet economy most of the time was doing everything it could to just barely keep up. Um, so I'm sure that a a more a more reasonable scaling down of that conflict under Kennedy was preferable to um, what had been before and what might come after. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm glad that you looked into the the economic factor. There's of course just like the um the political situation that we've discussed before, like that political context. Khrushchev actually wanted to have a, a good relationship with Kennedy. He wanted to I got the sense uh, from looking into it that he wanted to avoid war the same way that Kennedy did. Uh, you know, they met at the Vienna summit. They were willing to meet and, and discuss these uh, affairs. You know, there's the way that the Cuban Missile Crisis was actually sorted out uh, as the test ban treaty uh, for nuclear weapons that we talked about earlier, right? Um, but... We also have mentioned that there were rogue, like, secret agency, you know, intelligence agency people within the United States that may have killed Kennedy. And we said, oh, that's possible. So could there be, like, rogue KGB agents? That's fair. I could say, I'd say that's plausible that that could have been yeah. the case. Um, that's speculation. If that was the case, then why did they use somebody like Oswald, who had such such clear ties to them? Right. When yeah. they could have just paid like literally any random asshole to shoot him. Yeah, very good point. Uh, why use this guy? And there is like a little bit of evidence. Um, I don't know really how I feel about it necessarily, but there are, if you look into the documents, uh, CIA documents related to the Kennedy assassination that were released in 2021 unredacted, uh, there are some uh, documents from the Soviet embassy in Mexico uh, saying that Oswald met with uh, Valerie Kostoklov, who was a KGB assassin who worked for a KGB assassin unit, uh, the 13th Department. So if you want to read some government documents that are spooky, you can read those. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, for, for me personally, I think that this is one of the, the poorest explanations. Yeah, and I mean, I think that... Um... It's probably the one um, that's a most most obviously kind of like the uh, the veil to be pulled, 
You know what I mean? Like if you want to give somebody a quick answer and have them go away, oh, it was the it was the Reds. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, and I like having looked into it a little bit. I, it just it it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't I don't feel like it. the best explanation. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. perhaps a better one, or at least you know, uh, a, a country that was more decisively enemies with the United States. Uh, let's talk about Cuba. So is it possible that uh, Fidel, you know, ordered this killing? Uh, was this uh, directed by the Cuban government? Uh, if we want to look at some things that could have motivated this, um, there is Operation Mongoose, with, uh, an uh, ongoing uh, government program uh, to kill Fidel Castro, Operation 40, uh, recruiting uh, Cuban refugees uh, to, you know, basically do whatever destructive operations inside of Cuba, try to uh, have a regime change there. Uh, Alpha 66 is another cool conspiracy sounding (laughs) thing that you can uh, check up on, uh, which were again, Cuban refugees that were integrated into the U S military and, you know, the Bay of pigs invasion, all of this could be considered a pretty good motive uh, for Castro to kill Kennedy. Maybe, or at least to want to um, to destroy the United States, perhaps. Uh, but but kill Kennedy, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Castro was particularly concerned with Kennedy himself, but he did he did feel very strongly that ultimately, eventually, there would be a, a conflict with the United States for a long time. Right. I think it is important as well to note that like Kennedy was under a lot of pressure uh, domestically, like political pressure to remove Castro. This wasn't necessarily something that Kennedy believed in. Right. Uh, Maybe something that he was pressured to do. uh, And during the race with uh, Richard Nixon, this was like a big kind of uh, deciding thing, right? Kennedy had to look like he was trying to take out Fidel. Otherwise, you know, he would potentially lose political power. So I think that's an important element. Uh, But to go back to what you were saying a second ago, you know, Fidel thought that perhaps war uh, was going to happen. And a lot of people say, oh, um, Fidel was willing to use nuclear weapons against the United States. That is true. Uh, I found some primary documents here, the actual uh, the actual letter. And it's just, it's like fucking awesome to be able to read this stuff sometimes. The actual letter uh, that he, uh, Fidel himself, sent to Khrushchev Uh, And it actually says that if Cuba is invaded, uh, that would be the moment to eliminate this danger forever. Talking about America Uh, in an act of most legitimate self-defense, however harsh and terrible the solution, there would be no other. Again, um, this is speaking specifically if uh, Cuba gets invaded by the United States, like a full scale invasion. Uh, And by this time, it is uh, important to note that uh, Khrushchev had already removed the missiles from Cuba. So. I um I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes of this podcast uh the documentary um The Fog of War um it was uh, mostly based around an interview with Robert S McNamara who was the Secretary of Defense at the time and he I think as part of the pres- uh part of the World Bank was 
part of a meeting in, in which Castro was also involved later on in the 90s. And he said in the documentary that um, he heard something through his interpreter and stopped Castro and said something along the lines of, go back a little bit and just uh, tell me, did you, would you have recommended using the nukes against the United States if you had had them? And what would have happened to Cuba? And Castro said, I would not have recommended, I did recommend that we nuke the United States. And what would have happened? Cuba would have been totally destroyed. Yeah, so maybe that gives you a sense of, uh, you know, what, what his mindset was. how far was. he was willing yeah. to go and how desperate he thought he, he needed to be. Yeah, but again, uh, that kind of justifies thoughts of a, a government, uh, you know, an operation against the American government. But against Kennedy specifically, it's just, it doesn't line up that well. Uh, so I think probably more likely, you know, if you're looking at Cuba and the, the context of Cuba and how it relates to this, I would say, you know, anti-Castro Cubans, uh, living within the United States, them being involved in a conspiracy to kill Kennedy is probably more likely. And yeah. I think that's very, very likely that the mafia, uh, was involved in a conspiracy to kill Kennedy and that, uh, that was related to Cuba as well. I would agree, yeah. I would say that that's more likely than, than Cuba itself. Cool. So let's talk about uh, the mafia. And this is where I have done quite a bit of research. I actually have a really good source here that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Waldron, uh, you know, his his study into the mafia and all of the ties between uh, people who, you know, the official story would want you to believe are unrelated, right? Uh, and he notes that gambling rights uh, for these mafia guys uh, were lost in Havana uh, when the, what is his name, Batista government fell. Uh, yep. Uh, and, you know, Kennedy, even if he would have toppled uh, the Cuban government uh, and actually got rid of Castro. Uh, he had no plans of returning those gambling rights uh, to, to the mafia. Uh, Bobby Kennedy, who was uh, attorney general, he was Kennedy's brother. He's going after um, the mafia. He's uh, having some Senate hearings and stuff like that. Uh, and he actually... Kennedy and Bobby were responsible for uh, prosecuting this specific person, uh, Carlos Marcello. So he's kind of the biggest uh, figure that you can look to in this can uh, this particular conspiracy. He was um, brought before the Senate in 1959. He was actually deported from the United States in 1961 because I don't think that he was ever a U.S. citizen. Really, uh, he was deported to Guatemala, uh, sneaks back to the U.S. Um, he had a federal trial in 1963. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting to note here as well, uh, as Waldron points out, Jack Ruby uh, was actually connected to the mafia through his night uh, his nightclubs, his strip clubs, stuff like that. And uh, Oswald was also connected to uh, Marcello and the uh, New, Lor uh, New Orleans Mafia uh, through his uncle, uh, Charles Dutz Moret, who was uh, an associate of Marcello's. 
So yeah, Marcelo uh, himself is kind of the biggest figure here. As I said, uh, Italian mafia in New Orleans. Um, he was involved with gambling, uh, drugs, and prostitution. Uh, otherwise known uh, as what he would publicly be known as, which was a tomato salesman. Oh. Uh, and that's that's when people asked him how he made his money. That's how that's how he said. I don't know if you've ever tried selling uh, tomatoes, but I I, I don't know if it's as pros- uh, as profitable as uh, drugs and prostitution. Um, there's this other guy, uh, Traficante. He was involved, um, you know, according to Waldron in this conspiracy to to assassinate the president. Um, kind of his turf is uh, Florida and Cuba. Uh, the uh, Giancana, Chicago Mafia guy. And uh, these guys are very important to talk about Roselli and Martino, who are actually CIA assets. So they actually worked uh, with the CIA on some domestic uh, ops related to Cuba, which is some pretty nuts stuff. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, the idea here is that the... CIA was working with the mafia essentially to plan the assassination of Castro. And then when Kennedy said, you know what, uh, we're going to redirect American foreign policy here. We're not going to go in this direction of killing Castro. That that effort to kill Castro was redirected to kill Kennedy. Kind of complicated, but uh, seems to make a lot of sense to me. And there's actually a confession here in 1985 from Marcelo uh, that comes from an FBI informant, uh, Van Linningham, uh, who uh, worked for this FBI program, Camtex. Uh, and um, the quote here from Marcelo, uh, who was cellmates with uh, uh, Langingham. I don't know why I have such a hard time with that guy's name. Uh, he said, yeah, I had that son of a bitch killed. I did it. <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't have done it myself, which I don't know, could be true or could just be like mafia tough talk right i'm not sure brag yeah exactly yeah and you know maybe trying to get like prison credit or something like that um but interestingly enough the house uh select committee on assassinations did say in their report and this is a quote uh that he had the means motive and opportunity to do it and uh yeah waldron places him high on the list yeah, Waldron gets into some some other stuff. Uh, he actually believes that there was a second gunman there other than Oswald. And uh, he debates that uh, magic bullet thing that we talked about earlier, that like one bullet could have uh, done the damage to Kennedy and Connolly at the same time. Um, what do you think about the, the theory that the Secret Service uh, was responsible for this? Um, this thing that... Uh, that it was actually an accident. So the 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 source that I have for this uh, mortal air, uh, the shot that killed JFK uh, by now, Devin. I'm going to ask you not to laugh at this person's name. Okay. But his name is Bonar. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well done. <laughs> uh, and and uh, he kind of sums up the work of this guy uh, Howard Donahue, who uh, did a lot of like ballistic analysis here uh, with our man Bonar, <laughs> and uh, he actually believes that it was um, George Hickey, uh, who is the uh, member of the Secret Service who uh, was entrusted with the AR-15 on the motorcade. And uh, so, you know, these guys argue that it was uh, his AR-15 that delivered the fatal shot to the president, right? That uh, 
the first uh, two, the first shot miss. Second shot is the one uh, that strikes Kennedy uh, through the neck, and uh, the kill shot comes from Hickey. And there's some, st- and there's some stuff here uh, about the fact that the uh, Secret Service had been drinking the night before, working a lot of overtime. Uh, Susan Cheever, that's the source for that, and um, you know, to to speak to the ballistics specifically. Uh, they point out that the original kind of ballistic uh, analysis in the Warren report, uh, it was entrusted to this guy, Arlen Specter, uh, and he hired a veterinarian to fire uh, guns into horse meat and goat carcasses. And that was what they like based their evidence off of. So yeah, it's not, not great. Not great. So, In the case of the neck wound specifically, I did see in the forensic pathology report, the pathology said that um, um, that based on like the looking at the injuries under a microscope that it looked like from the back, it was an entry room and and from the front, it was an exit wound. Um, And that's just forensic pathology. It's like just literally like looking at these independent pieces and being like, this is what this looks like. This is what this looks like, but it's not ever saying this is what it is for sure. So I think there's that to go on. It's where the head, it's the head wound where things get a little bit um, dicey. Yeah. Um, and you know, and they address this uh, specifically here. Right. And they talk about the difference between uh, wounds that would be expected if you were dealing with full metal jacket bullets, which are designed to like go through people and uh, frangible bullets, which are designed to like do a lot of damage, stay in the body, ricochet around. Uh, you know, according to the study here uh, in Mortal Air, it suggests, uh, you know, the ballistics suggests that it was actually a frangible bullet that was the one that struck Kennedy in the head. And uh, that just so happens to be the type of munitions that was in Hickey's AR-15. So the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is this. A gun being fired from a distance away, it's not easy to tell where it is, but a gun being fired from that close with people on either side next of the road watching, yeah. right next to you, you couldn't miss it. And this is a There's problem. There's just too many witnesses. And this is a problem with this theory, and it's a problem with every other like second shooter theory, because the grassy knoll as well is not that far away uh, from the motorcade. Yeah, it's pretty close. And I don't know. And, and like you said earlier, once that first shot is fired, it's it's chaos. Uh, but I don't know, man, if someone's firing a gun right next to you. Yeah. Even if it's you know. one one round out of an AR-15, is, uh, it's a loud round. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't understand how loud guns are if they've only ever heard them on TV or movies. But like oh, right. literally oh. almost any of them will give you like a little bit of tinnitus for a few seconds. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, you should wear hearing protection, which they they never do in movies. But uh, yeah. So if it's in your immediate vicinity, you know you can't not know. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, kind of raises the eyebrow a bit, but uh, I'm not I'm not prepared to put it in this guy's lap, like uh, you know. And I don't. It's one of it is still one of the more reasonable, I guess, because you know. He's not even really saying that there's that much of a conspiracy to kill the president. He's more saying that there's like a cover up of an accident that happened. So I guess that's kind of a better explanation than some of these, but I don't know. 
yeah, it's just another one of those things where it's like it's plausible, but where's the proof of any of it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, let's talk. But anyways, yeah, let's talk about uh, somebody who is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, <laughs> Mr. LBJ. Hey, hey, LBJ. How many John F. Kennedys did you kill today? LBJ had a good motive to kill John F. Kennedy because he became the president the minute that John F. Kennedy died. So, you know, of all the people who uh, had some type of motivation here, I think that uh, just going off of that throws a little bit of suspicion his way. Uh, the fact that he wanted to move on, that he kind of rushed the Warren Commission, uh, I think is suspicious. And the fact that he uh, reversed, you know, Kennedy's foreign policy pretty, pretty promptly as well in regard to, you know, Vietnam and uh, and the Soviet Union and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I mean, like, it's widely known that um, Johnson had been wanting this job you know, the entire time he'd been in politics, you know, mm-hmm. it was something that he wanted to do was be president. Um, so it's, it's easy to believe that he would have, that he would have wanted that. Can you really know anybody without knowing them? No. So it's hard to know if he's the type to have just immediately conspired to be like, ah, this kid is in my way. You know, I can't say that. Um, He does seem sad when he's talking about Kennedy, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's something. Uh, But, you know, that wouldn't convince any of these people, (laughs) Barr McClellan and uh, Madeline Duncan Brown. Uh, And they are people who believe that LBJ killed the president and there's this book uh blood money and power uh how lbj killed jfk and uh basically it says that this guy malcolm wallace uh who did on the record kill somebody he killed a guy uh john douglas kinzer um so uh bar mcclellan uh in this book he alleges that uh, LBJ arranged for the assassination. And this one is is unique because he says that Malcolm Wallace was the trigger man, not Lee Harvey Oswald, and uh, claims that fingerprints of Wallace were discovered at the uh, school book depository. Uh, and another central figure here is uh, this guy, Edward Clark, uh, who was, I believe, a lawyer of uh, LBJ's and uh, the same person who got him off when LBJ started his big time political career, uh, getting that Senate seat uh, in 1948 with the box 13 vote scandal. So that's all kind of mixed up in here as well. Uh, McClellan. Uh, basically alleges, um, you know, the assassination took place on Johnson's home turf, uh, that Johnson encouraged the trip, uh, kind of ensnared Kennedy into this uh, into this trap. And uh, Madeline Duncan Brown is a woman who claims uh, that she was a secret lovers of LBJ's. And she said, uh, quotes LBJ uh, before the assassination saying, those Kennedys will never embarrass me again. And uh, uh, she also makes some kind of ridiculous claims. She says that after the assassination, 
uh, LBJ um, had a big party with uh, Richard Nixon, Herbert Hoover, and uh, McCloy, who was on the Warren Commission uh, and worked for the World Bank. Uh, and she also claims that she had a secret son with Lyndon B. Johnson. So, you know. I hope that's all true. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely fun and interesting. Uh yeah. there's there's these other guys here, um Clint Merchinson and uh David Harvard uh David uh Harold Bird, sorry. Uh these were two Texas oil men who are implicated uh in this whole like um LBJ uh side of the conspiracy. Uh these were two big time oil guys. Uh interestingly, the uh Merchinson family owns the Dallas uh the Dallas Cowboys and uh Bird, uh David Bird owned the Texas School Book Depository. And he co-founded the Civil Air Patrol. And uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a member of the Civil Air Patrol. So that's kind of strange. And the whole uh, thing revolves around this oil depletion allowance thing, um, which I thought I would never understand. Devin, do you want to explain oil depletion allowance to everybody? <laughs> no, why don't you go ahead? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I get it. It's basically a way where uh, it's like a tax loophole thing where uh, oil men who have like an oil well, essentially with a small investment of like uh, a few hundred thousand dollars to get an oil well, you're able to uh, like claim a depreciation on the oil well or like the amount of oil that you have uh, and basically oh, get- as an accounting value. I see. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, get like a shitload of money back on your taxes and stuff like that. And apparently uh, Kennedy wanted to, uh, you know, make some reforms to uh, oil depletion allowance. And that was going to be bad for these uh, oil millionaire guys, billionaire guys, maybe. I don't know how much money it takes to own the Dallas Cowboys, but probably a lot. And uh, this guy, Bobby Baker, uh, he um, was a uh, associate of uh lbj's uh again he was involved in that uh senate corruption investigation um related to uh the box 13 scandal uh which was dropped after the assassination of john f kennedy as we discuss um this whole lbj thing it does paint a bit of a picture in my mind what about a second shooter in the texas book depository right so Oswald goes out to kill Walker. He shoots him and then he doesn't finish the job and then he goes home. Yeah. So if you're counting on him to kill Kennedy, you have to assume that maybe there's a chance he's going to fail, right? Mm -hmm. So why not, if he does fail, send somebody to go in with the exact same rifle firing mm -hmm. from essentially the exact same place mm -hmm. and then replace his rifle with the one that got fired to leave. Maybe. Uh, you but still then, get your patsy. Yeah, but then there's there's uh, no shells that were recovered. You know, he, you could say, oh, well, he quickly picked up the, the shells and got out of there. But, you know, uh, Oswald's story uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, like, yeah, in that fair. case. Yeah. I don't know. 
Anyways, uh, the next person that we can talk about here is uh, Clay Shaw. So he's the only person who was ever actually brought to court um, for killing John F. Kennedy. This is the uh, basis for uh, Jim Garrison's whole theory. Jim Garrison is the guy, the uh, New Orleans district attorney, who prosecuted Clay uh, Clay Shaw in 67. Uh, This is the basis of Garrison's own book uh, on the trail of the assassins and also uh, one of the big sources for Oliver Stone's JFK movie, uh, which has a bunch of uh, misinformation in it. (laughs) Uh, So Clay Shaw was a a businessman uh, in New Orleans. Uh, There he was, as I said, uh, prosecuted for the assassination of JFK. It was kind of a show trial type of thing. It only lasted an hour. Uh, He obviously wasn't convicted, but there is some weird stuff so uh there's his connections to uh this fbi uh associate guy banister um there's all this stuff about 544 camp street uh which was a base of operations for the fbi uh that uh was related to you know uh anti-cuban activities and stuff like that and oswald actually put that address on some of his uh, fair play for cuba um, documents and uh, pamphlets he was handing out. So kind of a weird thing. And there's also this whole thing of David Ferry, uh, who was uh, associate of Clay Shaw and Guy Bannister. Uh, he was a pilot uh, and he was also in the same uh, Civil Air Patrol unit uh, as Oswald. There's actually pictures showing them together. Uh, and he is, was uh, also a known associate of Marcelo, uh, Carlos Marcelo, the gangster who we talked about earlier. So that was a lot of names and a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, kind of sketch, I guess. Yeah, the picture of them together in the Civil Air Patrol doesn't prove that they knew each other, though. It just proves that they were involved at the same time. That's true, right? But it's one of those things that definitely, uh, when you find it, you you, you feel rewarded. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, this is probably as good a time as any to mention the Three Tramps thing. This is just kind of a, a little side story of all of this. There were these Another three... Picture. Uh, Yeah, definitely another uh, picture of the episode for sure. These guys were uh, arrested uh, and then promptly let go, uh, you know, surrounding the assassination. Could have been nothing. uh, But some people say that uh, Charles Harrelson can be seen in the photo. uh, And that's actually Woody Harrelson's dad, actor, uh, you know, Zombieland, uh, famous actor Woody Harrelson. Um, That's actually not that ridiculous uh to think that charles harrelson may have had something to do with this because he did assassinate a uh u.s district court uh judge john wood jr for which he was paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. oh wow yeah so uh that's in his book back then Oh, for sure. I don't know if that's adjusted for inflation. Anyways, uh, Jim Jim Mars alleges in his book Crossfire um, that Harrison confessed to killing Kennedy during a six-hour shootout with the police high on cocaine. Uh, and I actually have a quote from Charles Harrison uh, here. He says, yeah, I was high on cocaine saying I killed Kennedy, uh, and that may give you an idea as to my state of mind at the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad he said it because I was going to say something similar. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's just, I just put that in here for myself, guys. I put it, in, I, I just wanted that. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether or not you believe any of these conspiracies, uh, and, you know, as we've discussed, Devin and I pretty much agree on a lot of this stuff, I think. I think, like, the the military-industrial complex, you know, the, you know, Kennedy taking power away from other parts of the government and uh, and bringing that back under, um, you know, the, the purview of the president. And if the president is more powerful than other people aren't as powerful and that can be uh, a pretty good motive for for doing something about that right i find uh at the end of the day a lot of these things are related to money uh so and status quo and the status quo yeah and the things how they are right yeah the gears of government like grinding forward uh if you totally don't accept any of that that's totally fine i think at the very least, you have to accept that there was a cover-up, right? Uh, there's, it's pretty much undeniable uh, that there was destruction and confiscation of evidence. Uh, and this is where we can get into the mystery of Kennedy's brain. Now, I'll put in some like spooky music here again. Guys, Kennedy's brain, it's missing. Where is the brain? Uh, it was in the National Archives, and now it's not. Did the CIA steal it? Did RFK steal it to hide Kennedy's illness? We'll never know where the brain is. That's a pretty pretty weird part of this. So, I have to wonder how much of the brain was really left to begin with. Uh, I think, well, like half of it wasn't completely destroyed uh, there was a, there was a lot of brain tissue yeah the, there's a lot of it and it was kept in a canister in the national archives for a while what would be the impetus to get rid of it i guess to not have ballistic studies done on it exactly dude yeah if you're you know if you do want to entertain that second shooter from the front thing then you know ballistic analysis of the brain would uh would be something to look at right so that's, that's pretty strange point. pretty strange uh, it could just be, you know, the Kennedy family wanting to to wrap that up for whatever personal reason that they want to do that. I'm not sure. Um, there's the fact that uh, that we talked about last episode that frames of the Zepruder film were destroyed when it was being developed. Uh, as I said in that episode, that is very strange. Um, part potentially part of a cover-up. Um, the different coffin thing that we noted uh, when we were talking about the autopsy, um, Masha actually maybe explained that one. Uh, my my beautiful wife, Masha, uh, she just pointed out the simple thing of when he was in that coffin on Air Force One, what if he just like bled all over it? And that's why they like swapped it out. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, so could be, but again, uh, just does come off as a little bit weird. And this is really weird, though. Uh, really weird. The autopsy photos, right? Uh, they were given to uh, Secret Service uh, Agent Kellerman. Um, they are supposedly in the National Archives, but no one can access them. So if you go and try to look at these photos, uh, you just get a message here. 
from the government that says the autopsy photos and x-rays of President Kennedy were donated to the National Archives by the Kennedy family by an agreement dated October uh, 1966. Um, This agreement limits access to such materials. Uh, So unless you are part of the government or some type of like forensic forensic, uh, expert, you can't look at these photos. Uh, And this is super sketch too. The... The tapes of Oswald, right? Um, if you arrested the guy who you think killed the president uh, and you interrogate him, this happened, right? He was interrogated for 12 hours. Where are the tapes of these interrogations? Uh, if I you, looked. I couldn't find anything. Well, if you go, yeah, if you go and uh, try to listen to these tapes on the uh, archives, it says uh, approximately 12 hours between 2.30 uh, p.m. on Friday uh, and 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, uh, November 24th, uh, 63. Uh, there, <laughs> um, there were no stenographic or tape recordings of these interviews. And as far as chain of evidence goes, that's fucking thin. Yeah, really like, I don't know. Yeah, sketch. (laughs) Uh, Intimidation of witnesses as well. Uh, This guy, Ed Hoffman, was a uh, deaf and mute witness who said that he saw a second shooter. Uh, He tried to report that to the Secret Service uh, the day of, and he also tried to report it to the FBI afterward and uh, said that he was threatened uh, both times. So, uh, and this is interesting too, because of being deaf and mute, you might think, oh, well, he probably had a shittier understanding of what was going on. But as we talked about, you know, if you're distracted by the gunshots, then you might not be observing things as much. So I think he might've had a panic reaction. Yeah. Yeah. He might've been a uniquely good witness. So, you know, just, uh, another weird thing. And then the, you know, this is a pretty crazy allegation to say that the, you know, CIA or the government or whatever, uh, murders people with information. Right. Uh, I would, I would say that they've done it before. They've done it on American soil. Uh, check out MK ultra, check out Frank Olson, uh, who was a guy who fell out of the window, Uh, (laughs) uh, you can also look into, you know, more related to this, uh, specific case, uh, this guy, William Bruce Pitzer, uh, who worked at, uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital. He was involved with the autopsy. He killed himself at work, uh, the same day that the autopsy records were released. Interesting. Yeah. So spook, spooky stuff. Uh, yeah, just to, to sum things up, if you're ready. I think that the biggest explanation for this is uh, is is security, to be honest. I think that, as we've talked about, you know, when Kennedy was killed, things were un- very unsure. Things were very hot. Uh, there was a need to come up with an absolute answer to settle down uh, any fear and paranoia that exists. Uh, try to convince people that, you know, we got the guy, everything is under control. Um, and I do think that the, the actual case is that they made everybody way more paranoid, way more suspicious. And, uh, you know, and I think history bears that out. Why does this still matter? I think we should maybe touch on that as well. Like we've recorded now, uh, you know, four, five, yeah, four or five hours of podcasts. We've both sat down and read for hundreds of hours. 
you know, primary and secondary sources. We went to we went to the library, Devin. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to a library in years. <laughs> and uh, you know, why why did we give a fuck? Why did we do this? Because people are still interested. There's nothing like a, a mystery really that, that keeps people an unanswered question that keeps people interested. Yeah. And also, I don't think that this stuff is settled. Like, I think that uh, there remains a need to rein in intelligence agencies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It might be one of the big problems of the age. And I mean, like, especially after 9-11, when you saw yeah. the introduction of stuff like the the Patriot Act and stuff in the United States, the definition of, of liberty and fundamental rights severely changed and was very curtailed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's as... Uh... You know, as Truman said, that phrase of like casting a shadow over our historic position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I also think that this is important, you know, uh, for that like democratic thing that I talked about earlier. I think a lot of people, you know, they they believe that line that we were taught in school that, you know, democracy is uh, something that you can take for granted. We're just going to have it and uh, the people will be in, in control of what happens to them. And, uh, you know, if if violence is deciding who's the president, who's the ruler, uh, that's not a democracy, right? So that's why I think that this is still pertinent, still something that we should be um, concerned about. And uh, yeah, really like this whole thing about presidential power that, you know, there should be, if, if the president should be representing the people and they should be creating policy, uh, you know, not the CIA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, let's, let's end this thing, man. Uh, the, the Kivioya commission, what are the findings of the Kivioya commission here? Uh, was there a conspiracy to kill JFK? I think that, um, in my opinion, the idea that Oswald acted alone and that there was a conspiracy to kill JFK are not necessarily mutually exclusive. I agree. Um, so I would say that that's the most plausible explanation for me hmm. is that there was a, a conspiracy to kill Kennedy and Oswald acted alone. And I, that may include, uh, a more fleshed out second shooter, uh, kind of idea in the in the Texas Book Depository. I'd also believe that Oswald was the shooter too. Um, there's there's a lot to to hash out, and there's a lot that's not certain. But um, yeah, I mean, frankly, a lot of people killed John F. Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, in a way, he's the most murdered person in history. <laughs> uh, I do think that uh, you know one of the things that's been striking to me about this series is uh how important photography is to to documenting history to uh to really the 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 relationship between that and democracy right like the the idea that if uh if the people really are supposed to be in control of the government that we deserve to what's deserve to know what's going on and uh you know even though photography uh without any context uh, can be very misleading and can make you believe things that aren't necessarily true. Uh, in the proper context, I think that uh, you know photography can can really help you understand the truth. And without uh, all of the photographers who shot these photos, uh, the ones that we've talked about here, uh, you know, the photo of Oswald in his backyard, uh, the the photo of Khrushchev uh, meeting Kennedy. The uh, the photo of Lyndon B. Johnson uh, being sworn in, sworn in 
and uh, and for this episode, uh, the Mormon photo, you know, just um, and it does also highlight that um, that importance of an open, free, and unbiased press. Certainly, which yeah. is such a rare thing these days. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot, uh, a lot to learn, and I've really. I don't know. I don't even think I'm the same person anymore than the guy who started doing this research. <laughs> no, no. I mean, um, much like John Kennedy himself, a lot of this blew my mind. Wow. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna end it on that. Uh, if you want to uh, follow Devin's podcast, he'll be doing one, and I'll tell you guys about it when it happens. We'll have Devin back on. I'll record to, a commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll record a commercial. And uh, speaking of corporate interests, uh, no. Anyways, um, <laughs> you can uh, check out this podcast uh, on all the podcast places right uh spotify and and uh apple, apple podcast Podcasts. yeah you guys yeah. know uh patreon youtube, YouTube instagram. instagram and devin can i entrust you with the something random i guess um i'm gonna go with words um that really i heard in the 90s and they stuck with me uh you know what people be good to yourselves and each other that's Jerry Springer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sweet. I thought it might have been uh, what's uh, Keanu Reeves there. And they, um, oh, no, that's uh, Bill and Ted. Ted. That's uh, Be Excellent to Each Other. Yeah, that one's good, too. Yeah, Be Excellent to Each Other. We can go with that. That's probably better than Jerry Springer. Be Excellent to Each Other. <laughs>